Meltdown presents the Disney Click with Rick and Briars. This podcast is sponsored by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. Find Meltdown on MeltComics.com. The Disney Click is also sponsored by ComicsFix.com. ComicsFix.com, your online subscription comic book service. Hello and welcome to the Disney Click with your hosts, Briars and Rick. Today we have a very special guest, Brian Bradley. We are so honored to have you here. I'm, I'm honored to be here, Rick. Well, welcome. Let, Giddy is a schoolgirl. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for that. <laughs> uh, let me tell you a little bit about Brian. Uh, he is an amazing writer, producer, actor, and gentleman, the quadruple threat. Mm-hmm. He has been a writer on shows such as Mad TV, Scrubs, Happy Endings, and soon to be Uncle Buck. Yep. Coming this midseason to ABC. Woohoo! It's a, it's a big deal, and uh, we're, we're really excited to see what you got for that. Um, we'll Thank talk you. a little bit later about that. No pressure. No pressure. Okay. M- more importantly, <laughs> more importantly, he has been a regular cast member in the Disney parks. Uh, Epcot, Disneyland, and California Adventure, mm-hmm. and as well as Universal, and uh, he's going to tell us some stories, some some dirt. I'm going to I'm going to tell some tales. Okay, it's going to get Let's real dishy in here. Disney dish. All right. Yes. There's a new title <laughs> for the program. <laughs> Scrap our old title. <laughs> it took it took too long to get here. <laughs> Interviews. So. So why don't we start there? Okay. Tell us a little bit about. It. I want to know your your experience. Uh, what did you do as far as what roles did you play when at the Disney parks? Well, I graduated from uh, the University of Florida in 1994, which is in Gainesville, Florida, and I moved to Orlando, where my then girlfriend was living, and um, I got a job like as an actor right away. This uh, my first Equity show. And, um, but that paid nothing, as you can imagine. And while I was in, had been in town probably about, I don't know, a little under a year, this woman, the beautiful woman, Christine Decker, former longtime Disney um, performer at uh, Comedy Warehouse, the Adventures Club, and stuff like that. Um, she's like, oh, you're kind of funny. Like, um, this guy I know from, you know, is hi- is hiring. He's a show director for this show at Disney. I'm like, I don't want to be Mickey Mouse. You know, I don't want to dress up in a costume. I'm not there yet. You, you were too good for the mouse. At that oh, yes. And plus, okay. it's just hot. It's just a yeah. hot place. I can't. I, she goes, no, 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 no. This is like a cool, like a uh, um, an improv show, kind of. And um, anyway, I'm going to tell them about you. So um, I auditioned for the show director of something called the World Showcase Players, which just recently closed uh, after, oh, I don't know how long uh, the, the players were there. Um, but it, it, it just recently closed, but it was at Epcot Center in the World Showcase. Um, and they were these Renaissance-style trunk shows. So we would, there were three of us. Mm. We would come out with a wagon full of props and costumes. We'd, we'd busk a crowd. And um, they would all kind of come in and sit down. We'd, 
you know, uh, on the on the bricks of the England section of the World Showcase players. And we would do these funny little plays um, that were audience interactive. So we'd bring someone up out of the audience to play the role. So they had names like Romeo and Edna and um, King Arthur and the Holy Grail. And, um, you know, we would make somebody King Arthur and somebody would be Edna and, you know, and whatever, whatever it was. And, and we would do these 20 minute um, Renaissance style trunk shows um, with fake British accents and fake Renaissance puffy pants and shirts, pirate shirts looking things. And um, yeah, that was my first gig at Disney. Can you tell me a little bit about the the culture shock, if, if there was such a thing with your first job, that, that first job at Disney? Yeah, well, yeah, there is a little bit of culture, because, you know, Disney has a, is, is a big culture under itself. It's like a little, especially in Florida, um, it's, you know, in Orlando, it's its own little, literally, I think they can get a bond from the state like because they have their own town called Celebration. So um so they like they really are their own little world down there. And um yeah, you know, I just come from like five years of studying, you know, Sam Shepard and I thought I was I was gonna be a playwright. That's what, you know, I wanted to do. And I I didn't write any I mean, I I'd been in a comedy group in school, but I'd really been writing like pretty serious plays. Like really embarrassing one act plays and if there's something i know about you is you're a very serious guy (laughs) (laughs) no i am i am underneath it all i'm one of those kinds of comedians i'm kind of like serious comedian but um so i you know hadn't i don't know i i I think there was a little bit of like this is all goody goody and for kids and I, i won't be doing this long but you know it was an equity gig union gig it paid incredibly well i had benefits and all of that stuff. And, so you know, did you actors write the, your scenes or someone was writing them no, for you? No, no, no. These were all scripted. Well, so they're scripted, but, when the, but they have sections in them where you go to improv, right. improvised moments. Right. So they had been created. Um, this is kind of a little thing. But they had been created in Orlando by a, uh, for Disney by a company called SAC Theater, that it involved people like Wayne Brady and stuff like that. Wayne was a part of the okay. company. And a bunch of other great, amazing performers, Joel McCrary and Claire Sarah, Jonathan Mangum, and um, just really, you know, very, very talented improv people. And they had created these going to Renaissance fairs, so going on the Ren Fair circuit. They had created these trunk shows, and they kind of were hired by Disney to bring them in. And then, and again, I don't want Disney to come after me. But the legend is, the accusation is that Disney kind of ended up edging out SAC after many years of SAC doing the shows and then sort of taking them over themselves and co-opting them themselves. You, wait a minute, a big corporation <laughs> swallowing up the little guy? They I swallowed up you. their little... Disney they kind of got rid of SAC and started doing it themselves. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's how those had been created. And I don't know. They had really, I'm sure they had been changed. It had been going on for years before me. I had seen them as a high school student. I had seen the World Showcase players. And then here I was, you know, five, six years later, whatever it was, performing the, the shows, you know. So they had been around for a long, long time, since the 80s, I would say, for sure, at least. So, yeah. 
So that's what was my first gig for them. And they also did those trunk shows in France. They had a French company where we would speak in bad French accents. <laughs> and then they had one in Italy, which was a little bit of a Commedia dell'arte kind of a, a vibe, but still pretty much the same shows. And like we did Cyrano de Bergerac in France and in Italy. I forget the name of the one that we did in Italy. But it was, um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, so I want to know when you went as this young, impressionable actor's actor into Disney. Well, what, was there anything that just was appalling or shocking to you about coming into this expectations they had for you? Or, yeah, you know? I'll, I'll tell you. The first thing I noticed was how woefully underprepared I was. So I'm 22 or something, and there's people I'm performing with in their 40s, you know, who are you know, extremely talented and experienced actors. The shows were not easy to do. Um, you know, they, they, they had a scripted element, but they all you changed roles every show. So you would be a narrator one time and you play this role. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So you sort of rotated the roles. So you had to know all the parts and then you, there was all the improv part of it. And that was just anything could happen when you went and you picked a guest to come up and you, brought them up that anything could happen with the guest and you had to be ready. It was really um, the first time I, I I had been doing real improvisation. I'd done it some in college with a group I had there, um, a, a sketch and improv group. Um, but like I was just learning like every day and failing badly, <laughs> like often very badly, you know, I'm just, just cratering shows. I wasn't not very good at that show. I would say, you know, <laughs> I would say. Well, it sounds like it was a good learning experience for you. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you learn the hard way. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what Disney was great about is, you know, you are really performing five shows a day, sometimes seven, eight days a week. If you're really, you know, eight, eight, uh, uh, you know, you'll or eight days in a row, maybe sometimes even more if you want. And um, if you could and you know, you're really grinding out every day in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, these, these shows. So you learn your craft right. quickly or you was there, fail. Was there an aha yeah. moment for you, the, a moment where you thought you, you got it? I think I got it when I was let go from there. <laughs> when I lost that contract. When that contract ended, I was like, oh, aha, I should have been better at that. <laughs> I should have been better at that. <laughs> and um, how, how long was that for? How long were you there? Geez, for? I probably worked the World Showcase Players for a couple of years, okay. and then I, you know, had sort of a what they call a sub. So you're not contracted, but you're you're working under the contracted people. So you pick up their extra days, or you're subbing in, just what it sounds like. So you don't have any set hours, um, right. though the hours were incredible because it's what they call show value. So. At least the terms of the contract then were each show was worth like you had to work eight hours in a day, like a normal job, except they would a, a, a apply even though shows were only 20 minutes long, they would apply an hourly rate of three or four hours or whatever the show value was for hours. So you could do five shows and be there like three and a half, four hours or something like that. And so, you know, it was like an ideal job if you were trying to at the same time, I'm doing regional theater you know, I'm trying to become a television actor, you know, in Orlando as best I can. I started a sketch comedy group outside called Discount Comedy Outlet. I'm doing a lot of writing. So 
the the job was like the cream of the crop job you could have in Florida if you were like just trying to get started as an actor or as a writer because it was in really amazing pay for a fairly flexible hours you know it was ideal that they were hard to get there was a hard gig so right. was acting your first that was your initial goal you were a theater major yeah that was what you wanted to do I, or how did you I, no I you know I got into entertainment. Um, the way many young men do um, for girls, mainly. <laughs> I had a girlfriend in high school, beautiful girl named Sarah Bernardi, uh, who, you know, was that great indie, um, uh, hippy-dippy theater girl, who, wispy, little wisp of a thing. And um, I was captain of the wrestling team, and I'm like, She's and I also wrote. I wrote. I, I was the editor, of like of the literary magazine. At school. You weren't just a jock. You had a sensitive side. To yeah, man. What you're saying for real. Okay. And uh, and Sarah's like, you should take. You know, you have a free period. You're a senior. You should take your. You know, uh, your free period. You should your free elective. You should take drama. I'm like, yeah, totally take drama if you're going to be in there and we can kind of make <laughs> out, which is exactly why I took it. And there was this great teacher. Um, the first truly gay person I've ever met in my life. Uh, Michael Coppola. I don't know what happened to Michael. He's an amazing guy. And he, he, he really saw me, I think as a, like a challenge. Like he, you know, he knew I wrote and he knew I didn't take it seriously. And he challenged me to write a play. And uh, so I did a very, <laughs> another kind of embarrassing kind of uh, play. But then he began submitting it around. And then this play, this theater company, had a, a scholarship and they said, well, we'll pay for you to study theater, like study play, playwriting in theater if you want to. So I had no other, you know, prospects <laughs> really. And so I, yeah, so they gave me money to go. So I'm like, oh, I'll study theater. So that's what I did. Yeah. And anyway. That's very it cool. Is, it wasn't a lot of money. I mean, but it was, you know, it paid, paid some, it, it was sort of like enough for to like quiet my parents who were like, what are you doing? So, you know, yeah. So and then I got into acting like in college when I, I, I went to college. I'm like, oh, that's where all the girls, they're really want the actors, not the, the writers. So, um, and that's so true. And I, I, I was like, well, I think I should probably be an actor. So I did. And again, that sounds terrible, but there it is. I, I'm just I, being very honest. I, I love the truth. Yeah, yes. it's the truth. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm curious about some of your your things on your resume, your Epcot resume. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing in particular, uh, Father Christmas holidays around the world at Epcot. Well, what's that about? That's right. So, so the World Showcase Players was like a group of actors, and they had multiple shows that they did throughout the year. And for instance, I was also in a musical melodrama in Canada in the Canadian venue uh, where I played a Mountie <laughs> and we we sang these songs and did this little comedy show out on the street in Canada um, and then this thing called Holidays Around the World which I believe still I, I, if I'm not mistaken is still going on but we were part of the I was part of the very first one and they decided they're going to like spice up Epcot which was always you know kind of hurting a little bit and they're going to make it kind of a Christmassy venue, and they're going to dress up all of uh, all of the countries, even ones that don't believe in Jesus, and um, celebrate Christmas holidays <laughs> around the world. 
And um, because I'm a sort of robust gentleman, uh, read large, thick of girth, um, they're like, you'll be a perfect Father Christmas. So they made they made me this amazing wig. Wait, wait, so, were, you, were you not flattered when they wanted you to be Father Christmas? I just wanted work. Okay. I just wanted work. Okay. And it got my show value, so I was super happy about it. <laughs> and um, my wife was happy about it, too. My girlfriend at the time. And um, so, yeah, like, what I would do is I would, uh, you know, come out and, like, Ring a bell, and again, by this time they had figured out that I could sing a little bit, and they're like, "Oh, well, you should be singing these Christmas carols." And so I would sing, you know, uh, all these British Christmas carols, and then like kids would come up to me and like tell me what they wanted for Christmas, and I'd wander around. But it was, of course, it's Florida. It's so hot, it's so unbelievably humid, and I was in a beautiful. I mean, this thing was a beautiful. If you've ever seen, like, sort of traditional british father christmas looks like he's sort of santa he's a little thinner but he's got a long coat and it's fur covered and it's made of wool and i've got an unbelievable wig and beard that they've made just for me and i it was whatever the humidity 80 percent humidity and you know in the winter sometimes it can in orlando it can easily be 80 90 degrees and anyway i was the number one father christmas and then they had I remember they had this gig where they're like, um, Brian, we need you to come in tomorrow for a special event at six in the morning. It's a special event, you're gonna be paying Father Christmas. I'm like, Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll be in at six. So I drive down, I get there, I get in my gig, and then they're like, We need to hook you up with a microphone and a, a satellite earpiece hookup because you are on a live satellite uplink with children from around the world. And you're gonna be answering their questions. About, no way. About Christmas, British Christmas. And, That's you know, awesome. In your bad, fake British accent. And so I have a video of this, which is my treasured thing, because I am sweating so badly. It is so freaking hot. And I remember there were kids from, like, New York City. And they're like, um, you, know, what, you know, what do you do? Do you bring gifts? And those little kids go... I'm Jewish. Do I get gifts? And then I'm looking over like you know at my at my at my supervisor. He's like, "Yeah, keep going. Just keep Oh going. my gosh. Yes, all I believe all children get gifts whether they're they're Jewish or not or I I, I you know, I mean the, the rabbis were like yeah. cursing you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my parents don't guy. believe in God, you know. Do I get gifts? I think so. Yeah. I I'd have to check some of the records. You know, just look in some of the manuals, but I think, yeah, I think you get gifts, to my knowledge, oh my which goodness. is very thin on the subject. Um, it was so like was this that. like the ABC affiliate news? Good morning, America. No, this kind was of? be Disney Education. So Disney has like a bajillion, like little groups within the groups. You know, they're they're like the government. Like they've got a lot of yeah. little subgroups, and this was some sort of Disney Education program where they they interface with the live entertainment people and they they hook me they didn't tell me anything about it i just got thrown under the bus but uh yeah so that's father christmas it was, it was unbelievable great. after that was all over what did you do uh the rate the rest of that day because it sounds pretty high pressure situation that was right? my only thing i had to do i got my full show value my full day whatever my call was i think the minimum call would be four hours so i just did that and then i went home and i yeah, I probably got drunk. I would, if I would know myself at that time, 
I started an early drinking evening, I would imagine. What we call a three o'clock evening. Behind the scenes of a mm-hmm. Disney cast I would say, member. That's right. Tell that's, your kids yeah. that. That's right. After work, he's going to go. <laughs> get a little so bit of a, Over here on tipsy. the West Coast, yeah. you worked um, at Disney California Adventure when it was newer. Yeah, I, I, I call I call so. it the dark days. I, you know, we I think we're both curious it was about just figuring itself out yes. as a theme park. Yes, let's see. I moved, <laughs> I moved here in two thousand and two, and I didn't want to work at any theme park because I'd been working at theme parks since ninety four, and so nearly a you decade. You can't help yourself. They just <laughs> well, you well back the money in. is good. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> they the mob. Just suck you it's in. like the mob. Once you are in, pulling me back in, and we made that joke a lot. But um, <laughs> like we we we. I finished what we ran through whatever money we had, and it's like I think we someone said, Hey, they're auditioning at Disneyland for this improv thing. You guys should go down, you know, because a lot of people we knew from Orlando. Is this were, duh? Right here. Not yet. Duh, duh okay. comes up. I just love the name. Duh. The duh. Department of Untapped I, Hilarity. I don't, I don't get it. Which, by I the way, duh was amazing because it involved Matt Gorley. Matt Gorley, um, what from Super Ego Podcast. Um, was in Duh and in Soap Opera Bistro, which is what I was first hired into at Disney's California Adventure. Um, Mark McConville from Super Ego Podcast, Jeremy Carter from Super Ego, Aaron Hayes, who oh, I know, yeah, yeah, I from know her, Children's yeah. Hospital, Jeff Davis, uh, who's Dan Harmon's sort of cohort work. I think he had just he was just a little before mm-hmm. my time. Um, Chris Tallman from the Thundermans, um, and a million other things. Chris was there. Um, That's great. Yeah, it was like all those people were there at that time and were just out here working. And then yours truly and um, and my wife. But uh, so, yeah, the first thing I did was something called Soap Opera Bistro. And, yeah, Disney's California Adventure was a little sketchy to begin with because it was very like (laughs) – I think Soap Opera Bistro, the concept was they had a restaurant that was like themed on the ABC soap operas. So General Hospital, you go in and eat on a gurney bed you, or something you like that? would every oh, – here's what you did. You had no script. It's completely improvised. You could choose your costume. When you come in, you could be a rich businessman. You could be a doctor. You could be um, – they could be a nurse. They could be a sexy – I mean, the women had choices. It was, it was, it was Everyone had like three costumes you could be or something. And um, I always want, everyone wanted to do scrubs all the time because it was the most comfortable costume. So, so he's wanted to be the doctor. And what you would do is you was the idea was you'd go around from table to table while people are eating their thirty-two dollar hamburger or whatever it is there. The and, and worth every. This penny. was a sit-down restaurant, <laughs> and you would improvise um, soap opera scenes with your other actors, and then draw supposedly drawing in the people who are like, "I'm just trying to finish my steak." Wait, this sounds. Kind of, it sounds hilarious. Would you like, like fries with like that burger? Oh, I'm going to tell you something, Briars. It <laughs> was terrible. First of all, as it turns out, when people are choosing their dining experience at Disney, and they see the one that has a soap opera theme, they go, "Maybe we should. Maybe we'll go over to the one that sort of looks like Yosemite instead." Or, or <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't this know. This was if we, the last choice for people. The last. They had no bookings at the place. Where was it? Where is it located? It was. Okay, I haven't been there in a while. I I know it's. I think it's what's there now is probably that um, cars thing. I think. 
Okay. Because it was sort of right when you came into the park. And Straight back? Yeah, like it was near the Hollywood section. The Hollywood oh, section. Like take a left. Yeah. It was like near Where they that. have the mad tea party yeah. and all that. Right? And it was okay. sort of in a corner too, which is sort of like, there was never oh, anybody there. Oh, yeah, where the like, mad there was tea never, party is. Yeah. Yeah. No, how do you have no foot traffic in a Disney park? But like it would be just yeah. seriously. Uh, yeah. Soap opera cafe. They have, soap, they have opera be- so soap opera funny. bistro. Bistro. And then <laughs> duh, Sorry. the Department Classy. of un- Untapped Hilarity was like, oh, oh we're gonna close down the bistro, oh. but like we don't want to lose these improvi- improv improvising <laughs> actors because they're super talented. So they created duh, which moved over kind of where, um, the Condor Flats area is that was themed vaguely on uh, aerospace in California. And okay. we had jumpsuits, always a good look on a large man. And um, we did, you know, street improv, like just improv games, like straight up improv games like you'd see at comedy sports or, you know, like what we call short form games or hoop hoop games or, you know. But do you think it's harder with an audience at a theme park when you're getting the worst. different age? Yeah, you've got parents yeah. that are bitter kids. Or- when, when you're just doing it, when you're doing a walk around character at a park. You know, I've done that before. Universal, I uh, I did many walk around acting roles. I was a Man in Black. I was a Ghostbuster. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I did could see you as a Ghostbuster. Totally yeah. as a Ghostbuster. And those are jobs where you're just kind of you're you're forcing interactions, really, or you're you're with with guests. I mean, they want to take pictures with you, or they want to have you. You know, you have bits you do with them. Like Corella Deville, Deville scared abs- your child. Yes. Yes, and she did. And made him cry like that. I think she's a face character, <laughs> but which is another. Again, there are levels. You right. Know, there's the costume characters, which is anybody with a rubber head. And then there's like the face characters, which is like anybody whose face you can see, like a Disney princess, the princesses and that kind of is stuff. Is that considered above yes. your head? Oh, yes, hidden? yes. Well, the, 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 the face characters in the character department are the... The the, 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 cool, elite. the elite kids. Okay. And it's usually very, mostly like really pretty girls. And, then and the so the girls that have to dress up as Mick, as Minnie Mouse are like, and they put their hats <laughs> on and, you know. Meanwhile, the girl's like, oh my God, is my wig straight? Is it straight? <laughs> it is. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you, I, I hear Minnie Mouse are using the mirror because you don't need it because <laughs> you don't have any, your hair doesn't show. So there's animosity there. There's animatedmosity there. Oh. And oh. then like a, the next level is like the actors. Oh. So that that's usually a union gig, and those are people that are in shows, or say at Disneyland, it might be the Jedi trainer, you know, Jedi okay. Academy, or uh, what's another thing they got? I don't know what they have down there now. Aladdin. Aladdin would probably be a face character. No, Aladdin, the Aladdin but stage, in the show. Show, stage show. In the stage show, they're actors. Okay. They have that... That show coming down Buena Vista Street with like the, the five, uh, five and Dime, the boys or and the, the newsies newspapers. boys, newspapers. yeah, the newsies. Boys. Okay, there that you might go. Be, yeah. See, dancers—that's a whole other thing. I, I back back to the duh. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah, got to your original point here, but did you have to ride the bicycle to the stage, or is that after your time? No, no, they rode. We rode bikes there. I didn't do duh much. I did a little bit, and I was like, um, not for me. Um, after, but by that time, I'd been hired at Universal Studios to do a show called the Special Effects Stages Show, which was much closer to home and uh, much more fun. <laughs> what was that? I, I remember the this special show. Effects I might have seen show. you on that show. It was around for years. It still exists, but they moved it and changed it. Um, 
it was a special effects sort of we were a host of a special effects tour you'd come through sound stages and we take you through all the things of special effects but then in every we get guests to come up we do get Does bits that with have them the tornado or earthquake yes okay like, we did that i did that in florida with my parents yeah yeah i don't know if they have it there but maybe I think they, this would have something, been something a like long it, time, long time ago. ago yeah yeah a variation it was it. a good gig that was like my last gig in theme parks before I started writing television. It was uh, working at SES. So did you feel effects. a big difference at Universal with how they handled you, how they, you know, what they expected? They or run the very treatment? differently. You know, Universal, like Disney is, you know, it's a little, you know, I, I'm just going to say Disney has the quality, but not the venom. Of something like the Nazis. So they they have the uniforms, the outfits, the organization, you know, efficiency. the discipline and efficiency. <laughs> um, where Universal, I'm not sure what a bear analogy, but they're definitely a ragtag group over there. <laughs> God Bri- bless them. Briars is looking at, we, we have a long-standing debate between <laughs> us, uh, Disney versus Universal. We're both Disney fans. Yes. I, I defend Universal as well, and Briars... Just looks at me like I am no, a no, terrible no. person. Just, it's fine. So you're validating her feelings. I probably w- am probably <laughs> validating. Oh yeah, that her was feelings. a great, but, great analogy. But for an actor, as an I worked a lot at Universal. In I actually worked more at Universal. I would say, even though I have a lot of Disney roles, um, I probably worked more at Universal for Universal than Disney. Uh, it's probably just a little bit more, but I have. I mean, I wrote and directed for Universal in Florida. I did a lot of roles at Universal Florida. And a lot of people work at Disney and Universal in Florida as an actor. So they're working at the same time at both places. And they'll let you. There's not a Yeah, because you're contracted, you're contracted out. So you can take to you can sort of double dip as long as they you you meet your contract hours. Hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm curious if there's anything you didn't get a chance to do while at the theme parks but you really wanted to do. Theme parks. Um, I think at Disney, I would have liked to have done, um, worked at the MG, the MGM Street Performers, were really cool bunch of people. In World, yeah, at, what, MGM, what's Hollywood Studios yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great park. It is, and they and they and they had really great, like that was a great company of impro- improvising actors. That included people like Peter and Paul Vogt. You know, Paul Vogt is Mad TV and Broadway, and um, and a lot of other really amazing performers. And they were, I think that just the, the one of the coolest shows. Another thing I would have liked to have done is um, the Adventures Club at the old. Um, uh, Pleasure Island. That is is in a lot of people's heart. Uh, they were really yeah. sad to see it go. I yes. know that. So and some of that. the best performers uh, I know, you know, did that show. Um, Steve Martin Phillip, worked there, Phillip, didn't he? I don't know. No, he was so. at the Magic yeah. Shop He's on a, Main Street. No, but he also did some things at Pleasure Island. At Disney World? Did he really? Yeah. I think that yeah. might have been well after his time. Yeah, I don't Yeah, think I would he, imagine. I think, well, I think he was a Disneyland guy. I'm Disneyland, because sure. about remembering, yeah. maybe. Maybe so. Um, but I know, but you, Philip Nolan, who is, you know, uh, you won't know because he's one of those sort of amazing Disney performers who's never, I mean, Disney in Florida captured so many great people and kept them there because they provided um, a, a living wage for an actor where they could really live like a citizen. So if you, 
you know, got that great Disney gig. And, you, you know, at the time you're making sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year in Orlando, you know, in the 90s, in the 80s, you're, you're really doing kind of great. You can own a house. Your kids can go to nice schools. You live in a nice place. And your job is pretending to, you know, uh, uh, be a, a stupid character every single day at the happiest place on earth. You know, a lot of it, it captured some amazing performers who really probably would have may have come out here and we would know more about them, you know. But um, they just chose that world to, to be in. And I maybe mm. it's my my dream world, but I imagine making those kids and families happy and doing what they're doing is yeah. is, is a lot of fun. Not everybody wants to kind of come to Hollywood, you know. And I mean, it's 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 brutal out here, you know. And I I, I moved out here when I was thirty one years old, so I was an old man coming here. You know, I I went to Orlando to hang out with my girlfriend and stay a couple of years and stayed at nine years. And you built a lot of experience. I did. Like I did. I totally did. But if I, 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 but I think I was a person who always did want to come out here and did want to get into television and, and writing and all of that stuff. And, um, but you, you get just, they call it that golden handcuffs. You know, you're really the, the Disney handcuffs. handcuffs. You really get like, okay. it's a sweet gig and you live in a nice place. And, and when you're not working, you can do like professional theater and you can do television commercials and the occasional film that comes to town. And so you get a little bit of that going on too. And, you know. It doesn't sound so bad. It isn't so bad. It isn't. But, yeah. you know, you age out at Disney, unfortunately. Cause it Wait, so actors age out? Yeah, I mean, there's just not a lot of roles for like a 52 year old, you know. Princess. Prince, well, you age out of that real quick, but um, but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, at a certain point, I think that's really where people hit a wall, and then you can only so many people can sort of move up into you know man or have a desire to move into management or show directing or or writing or whatever. But you know, so that's that weird world of park acting <laughs> so interesting can i ask you i want to ask you something about one of my favorite attractions that i know you had an association with okay the haunted mansion yes tell me about your experience with the haunted mansion yeah i love the haunted mansion it's my favorite um this is not my favorite thing i ever did for disney though so so i got a gig um a special event that happened during the christmas time at disneyland and it was um they had a sort of theming. They were trying to, you know, have the, uh, capitalize on the Nightmare Before Christmas thing because it's super popular, and there's so many annual pass holders who love the Nightmare Before Christmas. And but I never, I don't think Disney ever really knew what to do with all these sort of like black eyeliner, um, you know, gothy, gothy kids from the Inland Empire who 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 like dig, you know, um, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas and. Uh, Morrissey, but um, they, they they were like, we God, but they keep coming here. We should do something, and so they themed. They had some Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, and um, they put me. They're like, Brian, you're gonna go and you're gonna sing Christmas carols and lead Q Line Entertainment, like lead these people in Christmas carols. Okay, that sounds alright. I can do that, and I'm a loud voice, and. Uh, serviceable singing voice and uh, they said well these are great this is different this is going to be Danny Elfman has written for us you know these really cool creepy original Christmas carols based on regular Christmas carols but all in minor keys um, when I remember hearing them when we were doing rehearsals it was like 
I had trouble finding these pitches. And because <laughs> it's all that creepy Danny Elfman stuff. And I'm like, I don't really know if people standing in line in their shorts are going to jump in on it. <laughs> Plus, I, I did note to the – there's not a, really a lot of like – um. Um, you know, uh, uh, choruses here, you know, which is what people know. They know Jingle Bells, but they don't know like the ninth verse of Jingle Bells. Like they know, like <laughs> laughing through the snow, the chorus of Jingle Bells, and then you really want to be done. You want to move on. But these went on, on and on. And so they had the lyrics posted on signs in the queue line. But of course, if you were in the back of the queue line, you wouldn't know this the unfamiliar Christmas carol I was singing um, in a minor key. You wouldn't even be able to see me. And I was outside of the mansion on a wireless mic in the same thing that the people in the mansion wear, but with, like, creepy zombie makeup on. Were you by yourself? Or did All you... – there was wow. another person that did wow. it. We worked in sets. Or maybe on only it was one person on a day. So, yeah, totally solo. I'm so sorry. And uh, you just, just walk around with this, and you were just trying to engage people in creepy – and it was just – you know, and on top of it, they – Put us in this um, green room that was centered above the Pirates of the Caribbean area. Like, there's tunnels under there, you know, under Disney. So, like, there's these tunnels that connect this area to, like, the Blue Bayou restaurant. And so kids from the Blue, who worked at the Blue Bayou restaurant um, could, like, walk through the tunnel and come up into our green room. And they would do this every single morning um, to use the toilet. Like... For whatever their horrible offering was, you know, like they didn't want to do it down where they worked and have people sort of around. So this was like their secret toilet, except it was our toilet. And so like I'd be in there getting my makeup on and there's just parade of kids coming in having really difficult problems in the toilet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and I was and there was a mime. I don't know his name. There was a mime that worked, and he shared that green room. It was also with the Dixieland band and stuff. And this mime, and you can cut this right out if it's too terrible for your thing. He was a hostile mime. Like, he's a classic angry mime. I, I think all mimes are he was a, hostile. He was not a Disney employee. He was an outside contractor, so he was allowed to have a mustache, which means that every day he would put clown white over his mustache, which is the most chilling thing you can see. It is – there is nothing – more horrible than looking at a grown man with a jet black mustache who's just covering it, smearing clown white on it. And as he's getting into his mime makeup, he's watching his kids come in and he's just like, this is ridiculous. I mean, they don't respect us at all. They come in here and they use this toilet. He's mumbling to himself. And I'm like, yeah, it's not cool, man. <laughs> and like, he's really getting mad. He's really, really mad. And I remember, I'll never forget this. One day a kid came in, the event happens. And he just loses his mind, this mind. He's half in makeup, half a clown white mustache, and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs, you savage, you savage, how about a courtesy flush? How about a courtesy <laughs> flush? Is that too much to ask? Give me a courtesy <laughs> flush. And I just remember thinking to myself, there's your Disney magic. This is yeah. what it is. This is what's going on. This is on. what people should see. Yeah, this is what they should see. An angry mime complaining about a toilet <laughs> situation. You haven't lived until you've seen an angry mime. <laughs> it really haunts me to this day. I, I think that leads us into uh, yes. a segment I want to involve mm. you. All right. Because you have some good... Uh, some good. I'm happy. Stuff. Okay. Happy to do it. Gather round the fire, children, for some Disney lore. 
So here are with Disney lore. Okay. And uh, what we're going to talk about here are crazy things uh, employees or others have witnessed at oh. the theme parks. Oh, jeepers. Uh, these are actual posts from Reddit. Oh, okay. And uh, these cannot be confirmed, but... I'm excited. To it find sounds out. like something that could have happened. So okay, me too. Uh, I don't know any of yeah, them. Yeah, Briars doesn't know it's any. New of this. to me. This is, All right. So I'll do my best to confirm and or deny. <laughs> oh, okay. I may not know. I haven't worked there in some time. Okay. Some of these could be fresh. So this one. Mm-hmm. Try to do this. Uh, I'm from Azov two three seven okay. on Reddit. I was working in the kitchen at Cinderella's castle when this family of four came in for for the dinner. About halfway through the dinner, the husband politely stands up and taps his glass for attention. He announced that his wife of 15 years had been cheating on him for over a year. <laughs> the entire place stood still in shock. He motioned for his kids, paid the waitress, and left the wife crying at the table. No way. Um, I can totally believe that. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. seems pretty particularly yeah. cool. That's I know what the wife did wasn't specific. But that's how you do it. <laughs> that's where you announce it. <laughs> the, castle. the castle. Well, I'm just yeah. curious what, what the kids think now, what memory they have they of Walt Disney World. They can go back to right? I think that, I bet they're not super fans of it. That's going to be my guess. <laughs> I don't think they're like, need to get down there, need to get down there for the big ele- you know, uh, electric reunion. parade. Um, I don't think so. I think it's a bummer. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, and but, terrible. Of course, tragic. But... <laughs> This one, this one's a little bit uh, mm-hmm. simpler, maybe not quite as harsh. All right. Uh, Reddit overnight underscore cm underscore girl says overnight cast member here. Please, please leave your cremated loved ones at home. Mm. Stop dumping them in the haunted mansion. They just get vacuumed up and disposed of. No way! Wow. For her to say that, it it sounds like it's happening like. Fairly often. I, I read and, several things saying and, it happened. And let me just ask you this. I, I, all the time I worked at Disney, I never quite understood that, that level of commitment that, like, the, that guests have to that brand and to Disney in general and what it means to them. You know, it, 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 it's not like um, – I just never – in all that time, I don't think I was ever in my heart a real Disney – sort of employee i think I, mean, I think they knew it a little bit you know i think they just kind of knew that like well, i don't think he's one, <laughs> not one of us you know because i just was like why do you why do you want to dump your ashes in this carnival ride why is that the place to why is that a magical spot for it i, I will say if they I, mean, I will say if they let me have the option of of being buried in the lawn in front of do it? I would consider it. That's nice. Oh, to have a little, a With little an gravestone. Ironic, ironic yeah. An ironic gravestone. Yeah. I mean, it Here will lies. never happen, but I would consider I it. I bet you that is a platinum Disney. <laughs> you can get that done. Like the, if you can get into Club 33, yeah, you can get married. Club 33 perk. Okay. You can get married. Right. Uh, or married there yeah. or buried there. My yeah, challenge married, married or buried. Great. <laughs> My challenge to you is to find somebody who is actually buried in or around the Haunted Mansion. Well, the best thing is the Disney Crematorium, where I worked for... No, that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, really? No, I tell us. Just... I believe it. Yeah, I believe it, too. At this point. Full, full cradle-to-grave Disneyites. So here's here's another one. This mm-hmm. is from Hostess Girl with a U. Hi, Hostess Girl. Underscore Hi, LV. I don't doing? understand a lot of your underscores, <laughs> I but I love you. This is from Reddit. 
My roommate used to work in the giant Walt Disney World store right before the entrance to both Disneyland and California Adventure Park. Mm -hmm. She came home so disgusted one night around Christmas time, I asked her what happened. Apparently, some little kid in the middle of the store Mm -mm. decided to pull down his pants and then go to the bathroom in the middle of the store. No courtesy flush for them either. The worst part? His mom just hurried him away like nothing happened. My roommate saw the whole Mm. thing and had to call a code brown. A code brown. That's true. A code brown. Okay. I mean, I believe that. I work with kids, and they'll do anything. My sister-in-law shoved a pen up Goofy or someone's butt and and was kicked out of the park. The rest, like, went up. It was during cast member signing. And she she was very little, a little like precocious redhead, and just yeah had no had reason, to be a ginger had no anger yeah had That's to a be code I had ginger. to give you her the <laughs> code ginger you got a code ginger with a pen and she had to leave the park and stay at the hotel the rest of the day oh I, I gotta think this happens a lot oh at gosh the let me tell you it, kids. it does it's kids it, it's kids it's it's kids and, and you you will I, I've seen some unbelievable <laughs> things um, you know you have children. Rick, yes, yes, <laughs> um, and you know how they are. We've all had that emergency moment with I. My daughter's no longer small, so hopefully she her bathroom habits at twenty two are better uh, than they used to be. But um, we had multiple Zoe emergencies uh, when she was a little kid, and and again, a theme park's a terrible place because there's not always a handy. Here, the thing about it is though, Disney is so clean, you mm-hmm. can't. That's another chilling thing. Only the Dutch are more clean, or something. I don't. No gum. <laughs> no, there's like not. The, the how is that possible? Lamp, like lamp posts, like glisten. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Let, yeah. let me ask you: Would you guys, uh, you guys, what would you do if your son or daughter did that? I mean, understand you don't have a pooper scooper right there. Mm-hmm. But, Apologize yeah. profusely to everyone in the area. You I think it sounds like you were take- at, you know when you when you were hired at Disney, you go through something. Um, you go through an orientation, and what did what did they used to call it? They had a name for it. Oh, traditions. <laughs> I love all these inside yes. names that they have. And I don't know if they have traditions. I know when we did traditions, traditions in the 90s, it was like a week. So it was a long process. I remember it being a week. Maybe it was less. But it was like multiple days. Now, when I came out here, they did traditions in a day. Well, only one day, and 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 um, it was a sort of that is an amazing story too, to be quite honest with you. But um, they were like drill into your head, like it doesn't matter who you are, if you're the president of the company, or you're an actor, or or riding show, or or whatever. It's all of our job to keep Disney clean. So if you see trash, if you see, and you would, you would pick trash up. You, I would do it all the time. <laughs> but that's Robotic. what makes. I mean, because you're sort it's of sixteen like, steps to a trash can, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you're, you're like always within. It makes a difference, though. It I mean, does. Yeah. it stinks for the park, the cast members, but it's great for. And for it's sixty true, years. The they've kept it. So clean. if there's a poo poo on the on it's the ground gone. at Disney, it's not there long. Right? <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Unlike at some other parks, I no. All right, so let's let's see. I have so many of these. We'll have right. to do this another time. I want to okay. do one one more. All right. Uh, I don't know which to choose from here. They're, they're... All right, let's do this one. Let's get away from the body. Um, yeah, the it's body. getting a little scatological yeah. in here. This is from Nova Prime Fifteen Ooh. on Reddit. Mm. Fantastic. 
The worst story I heard involved a couple at Soren. Soren over Soren California. Over California. California. Mm-hmm. All right. When you're at Soren, if your backpack doesn't fit underneath the seat, it right. needs to be put on the main walking area. You're far off the ground, and you don't want your backpack to fall that far. One couple left their backpack on the ground, and a cast member noticed it moving. They go over to investigate, only to find that the backpack had, no, not a rat or a dog, a baby in it. They were promptly escorted out. No. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call... Uh... I'm gonna call BS on this one. I don't no, think. I think there's some people that are that will put their baby in a backpack. Yeah, people are crazy. I don't know how they would get it through because you do. They're pretty tight with their check security on the back. Yeah, well, I don't. Maybe they didn't sneak the baby in. Maybe oh, it was like, like a, we want to ride. We want to ride Soren. <laughs> he's not forty inches. And our yet. meth is just <laughs> kicking in. So um, let's stuff Junior in our Jan Sport. And, Take a ride over the That's... beauty of California. I, I, I will that say, is. I will say that the baby in a bag is the story that I read the most. Let me just quickly baby one more. Baby in a bag. Broken, a broken long thumb key. On Reddit, said this couple was trying to ride Space Mountain and had a black duffel bag. My no, brother so heard something getting, come from no. the bag, so he asked them to open it. They refused. Security comes, forces them to open it. It was their six-month-old baby. No. See, now it's starting to sound apocryphal. There's too many. You're saying also at Space Mountain. I guess they did on Splash Mountain. It's a different. All the various mountains. Big Thunder Mountain. All the mountain rides. Yeah. People, we can't assume that everybody has a a relative same sense of common sense that we do. No. So I can believe that this somewhere sometime has happened. You definitely see bad, like on the day in and day out at theme parks, how people are with their children is absolutely fascinating Mm -hmm. and and you do have an opportunity to see some fairly terrible parenting um well just being in the theme parks for upwards of 12 hours people show their true colors unbelievable they really do i've never yelled at my kids 8 p.m 9 (laughs) p.m it's hard it's very hard i've never tried to take my kids in a bag onto space mountain i've never allowed them to poop on the floor and walk (laughs) away thought about it but i've done some things that i'm probably not wouldn't be as proud of in everyday life. I in see. The theme park. I'm well, there, saying. but for it's a long day, a, a black duffel bag, go we. That's right. So, <laughs> so let's go on. Let's go on to your Hollywood career here. Can All right, you, Holly uh, weird. Holly weird. I, 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 I want to first and foremost know about Uncle Buck on ABC. Right. That's what's me really too. going on with you right now. It's a that is. Thing, so. It's super going on with me right now. Um. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. I did. I have a writing partner named Stephen Craig. We met on Mad TV and we started writing together after um after Mad. He had left Mad and then it was like the last season of Mad. We we had written a a, a pilot together and and so we'd begun doing a ton a ton of pilots uh over the last several years and um we left ABC Studios where I was for a while. Um, and we came to Universal, and one of the things they asked us to sort of get involved with was, you know, uh, Will Packer uh, Productions, who does Will Packer, if you don't know, does, um, he's a Hollywood mogul now. He's he's all of these, like, Ride Along, and um, Best Man's Holiday, and Stomp the Yard, going way back. Um, anything to do with Kevin Hart. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, yeah. also in, he's also in television now. Um, he just got into television with Uncle Buck, and he has another show at, at Universal uh, TV and on NBC 
called um, People Are Talking and they're producing The New Roots. And so he's just just, just exploding performer or uh, uh, producer. And Will had somehow Sweet Talked Universal uh, who owned the rights to the Uncle Buck title and story and all the rest uh, who had never wanted to release it. People have been coming after it for years, but he somehow talked them into um, releasing it to him. He and his partner, well, she's, she works for him. She runs his TV department, Corinne Huggins. Um, and so they, they had read our scripts and uh, they came to Stephen and I who were also under deal at Universal and were like, it'd be a happy marriage if you guys want to do this. And we said, yeah. And they're like, well, what do you think of reimagining it with a black family, with a black Uncle Buck? And we were like, yeah, that sounds like a fresh way to do it. You know, if you're going to, yeah. there's a lot of reboots last year. Um, not all of them made it, <laughs> um, and um, but I think in some for in some ways ours, aside from being really a funny thing, um, it just had a freshness to it. So Mike Epps is starring, um, and Nia Long uh, also kind of co-starring with James Lasher as her husband, and um, you know the Macaulay Culkin role. Uh, we have a little Miles. Um, um, Played by this young man named Saeed, who is uh, hilarious. His sister's on Blackish. Um, okay. And um, adorable little girl playing Maisie, his little sister, Alira Caldwell. And then Tia, you know, the angry daughter and Uncle Buck is um, uh, this wonderful girl from Atlanta. Uh, oh, God, her name just jumped out of my head. <laughs> That's terrible. All right. You have to edit this. Um, you're uh, so you, you're so great at knowing all the names. Well, I should everyone. know the names of the people in my cast. <laughs> um, 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 my God, what? she's going to get a very nice gift. Iman. From oh my God, Iman Benson. What's wrong with me? Uh, she's amazing. Sorry, Iman. Your name jumped out of my head. It's not because you're not amazing. Um, He'll write a very special episode. For I you. certainly will. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we got to do this this uh, this pilot and sort of reimagine Uncle Buck as a TV show. And so you've shot the pilot? Pilot was shot. We got picked up for a short order. Uh, so it's like an eight-episode sort of mid-season order. Um, and, yeah, we're just kind of ramping up now. I, I, yeah. I, I want to know the pressure. For ABC, by for, the way. For ABC, yes. Yes. Owned by Disney. <laughs> uh, I want to know if you're feeling any pressure. I mean, John – John Hughes, Uncle yeah. Buck. That's that's a big pedigree you're, you're working with here. So. Well, there's no question. I mean, John I, Candy, all of it. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, there's some pressure um, about it, and we've had a little bit of you know we've had some negative feedback, um, you know. But I've been down this road before. I produced a pilot for ABC a few years ago called Only Fools and Horses, which. Is John Leguizamo and yeah, with John Leguizamo, we it was a British show, but it's like in England, Only Fools and Horses is like Seinfeld level of important Hmm. in terms of their culture, and it's a very important show. We got like death threats, you know, when they, you know, from from people. So this wasn't nearly that bad, but um, yeah, we had a little bit of of blowback from it, and so you do feel that pressure, but. you know, it's totally this whole thing is an homage to John John Hughes. I'm a humongous fan, um, as everyone my generation is. I'm a super sweet spot for John Hughes movies. You know, being a being a sort of a generation Xer. You know, co- you know, coming up in 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 the '80s. 
you know, everything from Breakfast Club to Ferris Bueller's to all like Pretty in Pink to, you know, the Home Alone's even Uncle Buck. All of them are like the movies that are my, my generation's teen movies, you know? So I feel very excited and um, I, was thr- I was thrilled about being uh, associated with, with it. And I think we're going to make, I think when they see our show, you know, those doubters won't doubt anymore. I mean, that's what's been proven so far. Right. People that have seen it have been like, it really is an homage to it. At the same time, updating it. And at the same time, um, when you change, uh, you know, <laughs> as a magical thing happens when you say, oh, wow, oh my God, they put a black family in it. So they're just, they're race switching. We've heard this word. And um, what's hilarious about it is that I don't think people um, think of the race of it at all. <laughs> you know, it's really not a self-consciously um, racial show or political show. It's a family show, and um, you know, families are families. Right. So it's a, fa- it's a family who happens to be black. Yeah. That's, that's this is a full-on yeah. family right. family right. show, right. and uh, your kids can watch the show, and that's the goal. You know, it's it's um, but it's fun and it's adult and it has it in its way because Uncle Buck is kind of a shady awesome character and um so i think there's a lot of fun for everybody there but the kids are prominent in it and uh they're right up front including iman benson from atlanta georgia (laughs) iman benson being introduced on abc mid-season well i have a question for anyone listening um who's interested in becoming a writer or producer what would be your biggest piece of advice to them hmm um I think I don't know if I have any special special advice really, Ex- except I, I, I had I went to uh, uh, University of Florida and I had an opportunity to go back and speak with. Um, I was asked to speak to the graduate students at the theater department some years ago, and this kind of was part of that, you know, mm-hmm. like there I had them all gathered in the Constance Theater, which is, you know, where where I had been many years before. And um, and they asked me, I knew they were going to ask those questions. And I'll tell you what I told them, which is, uh, you know, uh, I'm happy to like tell you how I did it, how I got from point A to point B. But but um, the, the that, that I swear to God, if you try to follow in my footsteps, I'll come and find right. you and punch you right in the face <laughs> because it's because everybody gets there in their own way. Mm-hmm. So my advice is to um, be less focused on um, that career thing mm-hmm. and more focused on the work, you know, work, yeah. work, work all the time. I come from a Midwestern family, you know, and, you know, I, I, I swear, I think sometimes it was drilled into my head. I've been working since I was, you know, 13 years old at a, a Publix bakery in, you know, Lantana, Florida. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I work, work, work all the time. And I think that's what a writer needs to do. Writer needs to do a lot less talking and a lot more writing. Yeah. And, um, and fail. You know, the other thing I tell them is like, be ready to fail, like mm-hmm. fail. I don't know who said this, but it's, you know, fail, fail better, fail again, you know, you know, mm-hmm. like keep, keep failure is so key to your success mm-hmm. and um, not just the failures, but of course your analysis of those failures and like your ability to kind of improve over time. Mm-hmm. So writing is really just like that. It's just like super hard work. Practically, I would say, you know, write your, Write your original half-hour spec pilot or mm-hmm. or hour-long pilot. Do do an original. 
you know, um, and show it to people, have them hate it, mm -hmm. go back and make it better. And when it's as good as you know how to make it at that moment in your life, then you start showing it to people. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I, I would say too. Is don't show your work around too soon until you really, you know, until it's as good as you know how to be right now. Mm -hmm. you, you know, yeah. I, I want to remind uh, everybody if you have any uh, questions or comments, you, you can uh, tweet us at, at the Disney Click. Um, I, I want to ask you about one more thing, and then okay. we have another uh, a list you can participate yeah. in with right. us. Um, I want to know about the fellowship. Oh, Fellowship. Yes. Yeah. Fellowship, the musical parody of The Fellowship of the <laughs> Ring. Uh, <laughs> it was a big part of my life for a, a, about a decade. Um, so Fellowship is just that. It's um, a comedy version, parody of the first Fellowship movie. Um, it's nine cast members. Um, we all play multiple roles. I played both uh, Gandalf <laughs> and Galadriel. Uh, the queen of the elves, and, as well you as you are a spitting image. <laughs> Thank for... you. No, I. There's no question. I was beautiful, very beautiful, Galadriel, Kate Blanchett level beautiful. And uh, there were I played orcs, and uh, everybody plays uh, lo lots of different roles. It's um, you know, it's a combination. The cast was it was created through improvisation. A lot of it, um, uh, and a cast is actually a lot of former Disney. Uh, actors, uh, Lisa Fredrickson, um, who you know from comedy, uh, the Comedy Warehouse, uh, Ryan Smith from the Comedy Warehouse, um, Joel McCrary, who was one of the original SAC members, uh, Kelly Holden, who's a Disney legend, <laughs> Peter Vogt, who is an enormous Disney legend, um, as well as Edie Patterson O'Connor, who's a groundling and uh, impro theater. Um, myself, Steve Pernick, another Disney guy, current Disney employee. I moved back to Orlando. Um, yeah, like, you know, uh, Matt Young too, another genius improviser. So it was just this really fun thing that I thought I was going to do six weeks of, and then it just kept going and going and going. And all those <laughs> Lord of the Rings, uh, fans, um, showed up again and again and again. And we performed it at Comic-Con. We performed it multiple times here in Los Angeles. We performed it in New York city. And, um, and then I think, you know, they did, I, I've since left the show, uh, as an actor performer, but it's now being performed around the country at different places. And well, you don't, um, you don't have time to, to do it anymore. <laughs> no, sadly I did though. I tell you when I, 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 the last big run I did, I'm trying to think where it was. Well, that was the New York run. But the last in town run that I did was at Gary Marshall's Theater in, in Toluca Lake, the Falcon Theater. And it was really my favorite run of it. And we could have run forever. We had, we, we had, to, we, they had something else after us and we had to leave. We, we held over forever. But, um, that I was writing on, I was doing pilots and stuff by then. I had left Matt and was writing pilots and stuff. And I, I, my wife said to me at the end of that run, you know, because I was just writing so much all day long and then running to rehearsals and running to shows and weekends were all taken up and we only had Mondays down. And, um, you know, she said to me, she really did say, you know, never again 
you know, you need to choose because like I, I have to have a part of you too. And then I said, you're totally right. And then when they wanted to go to New York, I told her I was going to do that too. And so <laughs> then I went to New York for a few weeks to do the show and she hated that too. No, she loved, she was a big supporter of the, of the show. She actually was a massive supporter of the show, worked with show as house manager for us and um and stuff but uh it got to be a lot i i have to point out that brian just got done shooting two pilots one of which was uh uncle buck yeah. the other one was the way we live correct how we live how we live how we live yes and he was telling me off off the podcast that uh he he lived in this world where he did not see home at no. all so when he talks about no in fact i moved i moved in fact we bought a house so we bought a house during that period of time too which was super smart. Um, and um, so we're going through the whole escrow, whole everything of buying a house, right? And then uh, on our first time that we've ever owned a house, we've always rented it. You know, we just, we're never, we're never grow up like Pinocchio. And, um, and Lady Pinocchio. Remember Lady Pinocchio? Doesn't exist. <laughs> but that's my wife. And um, She's Pinocchio or Lady Pinocchio? She's Lady Pinocchio. Okay. I'm man Pinocchio. Get it right, Rick. But um, she, she, so we decided to buy this house at the same time. And we knew it was dumb, but we did it anyway. And um, I had a moment where I woke up in one home in Culver City and then came home and all of my stuff was at our new house. And I went to bed <laughs> and I could do nothing. Like I couldn't even help unpack a box. I just had to get up and go back to, to the shows. Sounds like you planned it pretty well to me. <laughs> It was a real tricky period in the Bradley Kearns you're, home. You're still married, correct? We are still okay. married. Happy as clams. Uh, we yes, we 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 made a deal that like I think we just because she's you know she's been in showbiz her whole life too, and I think we got to a point where we're like we're not like just leave stuff in boxes. We're just gonna <laughs> like we're not doing this now. Our stuff is here. Our dog and our cat are here. Our daughter is at her apartment in Huntington Beach. You know, we have our health. <laughs> let's, right. let's, we can, we can move in some other for, time. For, for Audrey dealing with you and all this, I'm going to give a plug to her. Keep yes. your authority, right. a website, Neil to, to Odd. Neil Before Neil Odd. Neil Before Odd podcast. Yeah. Yes. She, she, I know Audrey and she is awesome. Yes. And uh, you're darn lucky to have her. I am, believe me, I know. Yeah, so. I know. And for many reasons. So I love you, Audrey. So we're, let's, we're going to do one more, one more segment okay. if you'll participate with us and this is uh, the disney list and now the, the disney, disney list. list okay so this week we're doing our top five disney list and it has a special name it's a wish list this year or this mm. time this week and it's uh going to be our top five wishes if we were uh, worked in a park or were a cast member, something, an experience we could have that mm. you can't have as just an annual pass holder or someone going for the day. Right. And as usual, we'll be starting with, you know, the bottom working our way up to the number one wish this year. Same year. I this like week. it. This week. I like so it. So you want to, you take... Take it off first. Go first. Okay. Yeah, go for it, Rick. Uh, my number five is to explore the tunnels underneath Disney World. They're they're, they're mythical, and You've I'm just. Been. Oh yes. Well, what are, are they as crazy as I think, or are they just tunnels? Do you know what? It's pretty. First of all, it's pretty cool that they have tunnels. That even I, I'm just gonna say it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Um, but 
they smell like garbage a little bit. <laughs> Cause because that's where they take that's the, where garbage. the garbage goes. <laughs> it doesn't just go and become, you know, pixie dust. It goes into giant it, it bins should. It underground. Should. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> but they have little carts that drive around, you know. Little um, golf cart. Golf yeah, cart. it's vaguely like a Bond villain's <laughs> sort of lair. Just a little bit. Or the Austin Powers it's scene a, in the golf cart, right? There's a tiny bit of that Austin Powers in it. Are Just there any murals bit. on the wall or any paintings or people? I imagine people signing. The college I went to was built over tunnels. Oh, really? And people would sneak in. It was against the rules to go in and sign, and sign their name. No, definitely not. Is, is there a food court under there? Yeah, there's restaurant. There's like a employee. Um, yes, there's like employee cafeteria is down it there. Good food. Yeah, it's pretty good. It holds up. Yeah, it holds up. Okay, not I too mean... shabs. Yeah, I don't know that I would. I I, I think it's pretty cool, but it's you know it's a place where people are working. Yeah. You know, it's not like Happy Funville or anything. No, else. it's not. No, it's nothing magical going on down there. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> they save that for the street level. That's up, that's up top. <laughs> I understand. That's up top. All right, <laughs> have that at hand, at Briars. Okay, my number five would be to be in a parade mm. on a float, yeah. preferably, um, preferably with, with, as a face. Oh, as with a face my character? face scene, so I can see I the reaction. I see you as a Disney children. princess. I absolutely can see you. I get told a lot I should go apply for work, but I just I I think it would ruin the the magic for me. No, I think the Disney princesses experience is pretty it's different. good. Okay, yeah, because I would I mean, enjoy that interaction. The you know getting to you have to stay in character. They are the kind and... of the bu Playboy bunnies of Disneyland. <laughs> 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 they're, they're, they're completely asexual. There's not one sexual thing about Disney them. So in that way, they are not like Playboy bunnies, <laughs> okay. but they are kind of like the precious gals. And um, they're all very beautiful. And um, none of them can have their real hair. Right. So that's always so you a can weird. Play, you, you can, can play anybody. Play any it's all wigs. Hair color. Because you look like they really want you to like look like the character. I think those. I think that might be a pretty good gig. I think, hmm. I think uh, the, the princesses I know. I have a friend who's married to a former princess, um, and I think she she thinks very fondly of her time uh, in that in that role. I think it'd be good. And I think a parade. I never got to be in a parade. Oh. Because it's kind of a dancer thing. Mm -hmm. or, and or character mm -hmm. You're pretty immobile. If you're a princess, you kind of are just yeah, on the float. Yeah. You have a foot to work with. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. We have, the closest thing we ever came to was the holidays around the world, you know, um, sort Epcot. of parade <laughs> where we would walk out <laughs> – all of the Father all, Christmas. there's like there's like a Father Christmas, <laughs> Père Noël from France, you know Canadian Santa Claus who I guess has plaid on for some reason. No, and then there had the, they had the th in Morocco they had the three kings, so it got vaguely bi biblical, <laughs> and I also play one of those. Um, and what else did they have? They had um, uh, what's the woman from Italy? I forget. She's like a Christmas witch. I forget what her name is. Yeah. Yes. You need to go back at... Switch. Do they still have the parade? I believe it... they have holidays around the world to this day. But maybe they've made it a little more... No, I think it's like they have like... We would come out and sing at the end, like of the night. So all day long, we, um, you know, did our gig. And then at the end of the night, like there's a huge event that was fireworks and all that stuff and the around the lagoon. Globe coming up, the globe up, and all yeah. that stuff, and then, 
yeah, like uh, Spaceship Earth and All Christmassy, and then we were sort of a part of the festivities at the end. I love it. I yeah. love it. Great. Yeah. All right, I'm going to number, uh, what are we at? Number four. Number four. Um, I'd like to eat caramel apples every day. I go there. I love the caramel Just apples. Just like they're totally. <laughs> so I'm there. Do you get a discount? I don't know if I get a discount or not. You do. It. Okay. You I'd do. Be really, really. You fat. do on the. Yes, you would because of that. Um, I don't remember. The... I think you get 35% discount. It's pretty good. I think. It's pretty good. I don't know if I'm revealing anything, but that's. It's more than the top annual pass. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good discount for an employee. It yeah. actually is. There's but again, so much merchandise and food. Well, it's all jacked up so high yeah. that it sort of brings it down to a vaguely normal <laughs> price. Yeah. Like, a, like, like a Whole Foods price. Yes, your $10 <laughs> hot dog, you know, gets down into what's sort of a close pink's range, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, my number four, and I'm not positive <coughs> it still exists, so you might have to help me, but it would be to play basketball inside Matterhorn. But I, is the court still there? I've that, heard both. I've heard that, that it is, is and it isn't. not something I know about. You are informing me of a Stumped new thing. You. I, Stump Brian. Yeah. Briars, I almost put that on my list. Mm. I, I don't I know. It's so fun. I mean, so there's a, a basketball court, court inside the, Matterhorn. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely there at one point. Uh, I think there's rumors that it might still be there, but you can't play on it I, for I, safety reasons. I read a story, if if I'm recalling this correctly, that some sort of uh, regulations in Anaheim says that if you have a structure, a certain yes, height, that's why you have to make to... it a scorch or something has to be there. They so had to ID the building something as like something, that. and they said, we'll make it a sports complex. That sounds right. By the way, that is a full Walt move. Yeah. Because yeah. my old offices Get around the tape. at Disney Studios in Burbank, we're in what's called the old animation building, which is where the Disney animators were. And on day one that they took us into the building, the nice lady who runs the building was showing us around and giving us a little bit of a tour. And she said, by the way, tunnels, full tunnels going out of the parking garage. But they, uh, she said, you know, this, what Walt originally built this as a hospital. And uh, you're like, a hospital, why? Well, during World War II, um, they wanted to build this building, but, you know, everything was rationed. You know, all building materials were being, you know, directed to the war effort unless you were building a hospital or <laughs> something. So he built it like a hospital, though it never was used as a hospital. So it's just one of these sort of sort of vaguely sketchy Disney things where he built. And by the way, it really looks like a 19 <laughs> art deco. There's wings coming off of it. You know, which is tremendous offices, actually. But um, yeah, I think that sounds that sounds yeah. right. That's how That's Walt great. made things happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. that Disney magic. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah, uh, number number three. You touched on this a little bit earlier. I'd like to see the rivalry between characters backstage. I just always <laughs> heard about this this you know levels of you know, I'm better than you. I don't know Princess. if that's true or not. Well, for real, that exists. I mean, of course. That's every, any work environment. every work environment. And every entertainment environment. Right. You right. Know. Actors. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you got to be heights, right? So mm. you're Mick, Mickey height, you're Goofy height, <laughs> you're, you're Tigger height, you know? Like, you know, and there are sort of marquee ones, you know? I, I, I definitely think Mickey is a marquee role because, you know, if you're a Mickey – and you're trained in Mickey, you know, not only are you, are you super popular in the park, but if there's events or press events and things like that, they're going to call on you 
for those events, which is not just statusy thing, but it's just flat out extra money. So you know there are definitely higher status roles, and certainly within the princesses, I would imagine, mm -hmm. you know, Cinderella. You, you want to be Cinderella Belle's versus like so. So it's interesting. So it's not only the between the princesses and the and the face that. Well, the big yeah. There's also within the it's who, which characters are popular. Okay, with the, you want to like. There's nothing the worse than like out. being yeah like out there and no one wants to see right. anything. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so yes, so, I think that's true. Okay, I would say that's an accurate thing, and I would say, um, I don't know who. I'm going to tell you one little thing about Tigger. I have a Tigger story really quickly. It's my favorite. Tigger is also a very... That's who it was. I'm remembering now. They got jammed with the pen. Tigger. It was Tigger. Tigger <laughs> is like a... Positive. The guys who play Tigger ha and women who have played Tigger, but I think it's mostly gentlemen because it's a fairly tall character. So I, I think there's, there's some women that play it. I could be totally wrong and there you go. But anyway, um, they're like... It's an animated role. And that's what mm -hmm. they talk about, by the way, in characters. So what they talk about is animation. Okay. You want to animate. So when you're talking, you're you're doing that whole like you can't see me, but you know you're you're doing this. You're talking with your hands and you're shaking your head and you're sort of moving around and animating what is essentially a a dead-eyed, lifeless thing. <laughs> yeah, you you really try because if it just sits there and suddenly stares at you, it's creepy. Unblinkingly, mm -hmm. kids are going to start crying. So it needs to kind of move around in a friendly way. And Tigger, of course, is known for bouncing around and. In Florida, they have – and in all theme parks, they have what they'll call heat sets. So a normal set might be 30 minutes or something. I don't know what they are. Don't quote me on that. Um, but they're in that range. Well, during a heat – maybe they're 20-minute sets. And the heat set will be 10. So if it's above 90 degrees, you know, health and safety, they do heat sets. They come out for 10 minutes and then they scoop backstage and get them out of there. Because they have ice packs and stuff underneath there and they're really – you know, it's a tough job. And – this Tigger was really it, going for it. He's a young teenage guy, uh, super stoked to be there. And they were always like, you need to take it easy because it's very warm and we just love your enthusiasm and it's absolutely what we want out of our Tigger. It's fabulous we, we don't want it. We don't want a dead But we don't tigger. want a dead Okay. So they, during when I was doing World Showcase Players, the, what we had to – one thing we had to do was go before the show, walk up. We had to come from our green room, which was above the little British China shop over in England. It was actually kind of cool. You'd walk down, but you had to quickly walk across set, which is what we call on stage, and go backstage on the other side. And then you'd collect our little cart, and we'd turn off what's called BGM. BGM stands for background music. And at that point, uh, in, in those days, there was a little key that your show – leader had and they would turn the bgm off so that we could go do our show and then we would drag our cart around a long way and come in and get our crowd so we're going back there and in in that area was also the character break room um and you know they're all kids mostly they're younger and it's a little more like a bunch of kids and a you know we're all more adult tiny bit of more adult and um so i come back and we shut the bgm off and I go into use the restroom, which is right there, backstage restroom. And I open it up, and <laughs> there, there, partially dressed in his Tigger uniform, is this man, his head off to the side. He's lying in a urinal, his head in a urinal, completely <laughs> passed out. 
he had suffered a heat stroke. Oh no. Which is fairly serious. And so I walk up into the character break room and I'm like, and they're having a a kind of a a rough housing fight. Like they're all goofing around in there and being silly. And I'm like, I just want to give everyone a heads up. (laughs) The Tigger's laying in a urinal. (laughs) I don't know if that's where you want Tigger to be. It doesn't seem like it to me. Uh, Maybe someone wants to deal with it. So quickly their lead runs down and I hear, I'll never forget it. If she has her little radio and she's going, Tigger's down, Tigger's down, Tigger is down, Tigger's down. And they had to take that guy away at an ambulance, actually. He he was okay, I I assume? He's okay. Okay. So we can laugh about it now. Yeah, no, he didn't suffer any permanent problems. He just stopped sweating. Like, that's when you have a heat stroke. Like, you just stop. That's not good. Dedication to the craft. Yeah. Dedication. He wanted the kids but to. I, is that, if this is the end of it, I just, you know, whatever silly stories I've told, I owe, I really do owe everything to, to Disney and, and the theme parks in general. You know, I, I really do. So all, all silliness aside, I, I, I just wanted to say that I, I, I love working there very, very much and that it changed my life and gave me a career really. And a lot that I know about entertainment I, 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 and about storytelling and about um, the audience and caring about the audience and giving them a way into the story. And all of that I learned, I really learned at Disney because it's in every detail of what they do. And, um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, I have to say there's no one better. It really is. Just isn't. pull a quote from that changed my life. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's yeah. true. There, it's a great place. Very nice. Yeah. Well, we'll finish this. Uh, Disney list up real quick. Yeah. So my number three wish would be to go to a cast member only park event, which I've heard they have where the park is only open to cast members. You can kind of just roam around quickly and get on rides and be a different experience. You'll have ride and show people are working the event. At those. The cast members don't get get to participate or or you switch off. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're sure. Make it work. It's magic. Make it work. It's nice. And they'll because yeah, I think they can bring cast members can bring their kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there'll be characters, people working the event. It'll probably be a special event. Um, special events are you always sign great. Up for... Well, you'll be you'll be hopefully scheduled to do it, which is okay. uh, you know because it's extra. You make extra right, money. right, right. So it's a good deal. So number two was something that Briar said earlier: uh, be a, a featured character on a f- uh, parade float was something that I yeah. thought would be really just kind of cool to... It would. I, I know how it is for me and my kids to look up at those characters up on the foot, like, lording over you, and and it's a big deal. It'd be yeah. kind of a nice feeling to see all the smiles and the, the kids' wide eyes, and that's just kind of a neat It's feeling, huge. I, I, would, mm-hmm. I, I share that. When wish. you're little, you believe it yeah. so much that yeah. they're, right? they're so real. Right. And it's all done so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. They, <laughs> you do, know? they do parades. They do parades the like nobody else. Anybody, yeah. so. Absolutely. A topic for another time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your number two, Brian? My number two is, is kind of cheesy, but um, to get to pass on the magic to a child or a family. But I, I was just at the park a week or so ago and started talking to this cast member because I'd lost my glasses, sunglasses. And he just out of the blue was like, we really do work magic here. And he had just, I mean, he kind of, you know, drank the Kool-Aid, but I didn't even bring it up. He was just like, this place, we really do. We, it's magic. Uh-huh. We pass on magic. I, so I think it'd be neat to kind of, you know, get to see firsthand you do something for someone and you yeah, have probably seen it. I, I many, many times and had that experience many, many times. The, the greatest thing to do either park is to be get an opportunity to do anything with 
give kids the world or make a wish mm-hmm. um who they 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 absolutely work very closely with and you have an opportunity in your job yeah which is pretty rare to 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 be a part of that experience for somebody um no i mean yeah it's amazing that mm-hmm. you know it's not all magical, but it's, it's, it's there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oddly enough, my number one is uh, to perform random acts of kindness. Same. So yeah. clearly I'm a, a more giving, generous uh, person than more than, than Briar's <laughs> here because it was number one. Yeah, my number one selfish. Two. Yeah. So I'm just saying, but nice, great minds mm-hmm. think alike. Mine just a little, a little better in this case. So. Well, my number one is that to be a Disney princess, which yeah. I know we had talked about. And I, I mean, I'm as a skeptical or I'm scared that it would ruin the magic. I think it would be no. really fun to em- embody because the princess is, I mean, there's whose castle do we, it's you a know? Pretty good yeah. Game. Yeah. It's a pretty, well, they are there. It's a pretty and, good game. And kids believe they're talking to the princess. Like the animation has just come to life in front of them and yeah. everything you say is, it's the word. It's the true. I would say. Yeah. I, I wish I had a sarcastic thing to say about it. No, uh, well, we can, we can end on on that. I don't. Nice, Brian, Brian. I really want to thank you for being Thanks. here. It's it was my pleasure. Awesome thank you so much to have you have you here. Yeah, I enjoyed very much being here and getting to talk about it. And um, we'll look for Uncle Buck. Look yes. for Uncle Buck on ABC mid season, and, uh, and hopefully it'll it'll uh, it'll be fantastic. We're, we're certainly we're certainly planning it that way. So looking, really looking forward to it. And one of these days, I'd like to have not only you back, but I'd also like your your wife, Audrey. Please. I think that would be a lot yeah. of fun. I, I'm trying to think if Audrey ever worked for Disney or if it's just Universal. But uh, you should have her back because she's got some pretty swell, swell stories about, about theme park life. So, I, so I'd like to remind everybody to uh, Twitter us at... Uh, Tweet us. Twitter, Twitter us. us. Twitter us. We're okay, new. Right. We're new to Twitter. All right. Us at All right, old timer. You can Twitter me. You can friendster me. Dating myself Follow us on Instagram bit. at the Disney Click. Instagram. Insta us. Like Gram that, us. Like that Geico ad. Not, you're unfriended. You're unfriended, says the old lady. <laughs> I know. Um, we had a great time, Brian. Thanks again. Thanks so, so much, much, guys. All right. Talk to you later. The Disney Click is a Meltdown Presents production. Produced by Terry Luberoff and Mason Booker. Audio engineer, the miracle worker, Mason Booker. With your hosts, Rick Luberoff and Briars Newman. Our theme song, King of the Swingers, is performed by the Swing Ninjas and provided by freemusicarchive.org. Jazzy Frenchie is our break music and can be found on binsound.com. End credit music, Dill Pickles, is performed by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra and provided by freemusicarchive.org. Don't forget to tweet us at the Disney Click. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Disney Click. Use the hashtag Top5DisneyClick to share your own Top 5.